Welcome to the Grace College Podcast, a ministry of Grace Bible Church located in College Station, Texas. We desire to impact students who will impact the world for Christ. Hope you enjoy the talk and hang around for more after. Well, you can have a seat. And good morning. Uh, welcome back for many of us. Uh, welcome for the first time for some of us, I suppose. My name is Jacob Smith. Uh, I am our college teaching pastor here at our Anderson campus. And if this is your first time to join us, you're a new guest and you're here and you're excited and you're going to be bold and you're going to lift your hand so I can see you because I'm curious just how. Oh, hello. Oh, whoa. Whoa. Oh, okay, good. Well, hey, welcome. Goodness, there's like a second wave that, oh, wow. Well, you're here. And I'm so glad you are. And so are like the five people that clapped for you. And we uh, are just happy to be at the start of a new semester, the beginning of all this newness, the beginning of all this excitement, the beginning of all the unknowns, right? We, we've seen our football team trounce a small, poor little school and just rub their face into the defeat. Although we let them get one touchdown. So, you know, good for us. We're gracious. But... We are stepping onto what is essentially new ground. And so last week, we've started kind of to look at the life of a man named Joshua. And we're looking at this biblical figure, a person who was in his place just like us, but thousands of years ago, where he was stepping into a new place, and he was having to be reminded that as he stepped into that new place, that he could still stand on the promises of God. And what we'll see this morning is that we need to rest on those promises. We need to actually rely not just on the Lord, but even on each other, because as we move into a new place with new pressures and new issues and new struggles, man, our need for help becomes so obvious many times in those kind of high pressure situations. Evan and Tim for $50,000. Here's your first subject. Go. Bin Laden. Just, just let it soak in. The wrongness of this fool, right? And this poor guy <laughs> gave the worst answer ever. Uh, he's been in the He actually like was making circuits, like sitting down with like Good Morning America. And they're like, did you know you were wrong? And he's like, I know I'm wrong. Like he's, he gets it. And he sees now, you know what? I needed some help. Like too bad. Uh, that guy, what, Tim Robbins, something like that? Couldn't help him out a little bit. Uh, because, man, we find ourselves in moments, maybe high-pressure situations with a counting, a ticking clock, right, with all the money on the line, and we find ourselves needing other people's help. That Aggie football team on Thursday, man, they needed the 12th man. Maybe they would have only won by, like, 20 points if it weren't for you, the 12th man, screaming and hollering and waving a towel and yip, yip, beat them up. Like, that was good. They needed that, right? They need that. And we find ourselves maybe walking into a lab where it's like, oh, we got to, you know, what are we, we're going to create something new. What if we make a real SpongeBob? Like, could, is it possible? Is, could he be maroon? I don't know. And so as you walk into those big moments, what do you need? You need a partner or a couple of partners, right? You, you're purposefully paired together. You find yourselves in situations. Maybe some of us are brand new freshmen and we're living on campus and we don't know what's going on. And of course we signed up for the biggest meal plan possible. And here's the thing. You're going to need help from other people to eat that food. You just will. And in the first service, I said that, and some of them were like, nah, and I was like, you wait. 
and you will be wrong. We all find ourselves in situations where we desperately need the help of other people. You will find yourself struggling in a habit or an addiction that desperately needs the help, the accountability of a friend. You will, you will need that. You'll find yourself maybe facing a situation that needs professional counseling. A lot of us will need to sit down at some point with a trained expert who can talk us through issues that we've encountered or trauma we've experienced. There's going to be moments where we find ourselves facing a decision that needs a leader's input. It needs someone wiser to, to, to give some wisdom and discernment and insight into that moment. We will all find ourselves, if not right now, then very soon, in moments where we are desperately in need of other people's support and help. Right? We've all found ourselves in, in those moments of new and significant pressure, and it just reveals our need for the support of other people. And when we look at the life of Joshua, as we see him step onto this new ground, what happens is that he doesn't do it alone. What happens is that as he steps into that new place, what he realizes is that God has gone before him, and God has a desire to create a community around him, a community that is supportive, but in that support, it is strongest when it's diverse, when it's complex. See, that's what we see in the life of Joshua, is that the strongest community is a a diverse community. And we see it start up in Joshua chapter 2, when Joshua, son of Nun, sent two spies out of Shittim secretly, and he instructed them, find out what you can about the land, especially Jericho. And so they stopped at the house of a prostitute named Rahab and spent the night there. The the Israelites are camped outside of the border of this kind of fortress on the border of the land of Canaan, this place that they're trying to get into, the place they're trying to invade, that God says, hey, I want to hand you this land. And so they're being wise about it. They're looking at it. They're like, hey, let's strategize. Let's figure out the best path forward. And so Joshua sends these spies, and they stay with a prostitute. And at first, you're reading this. You're like, okay, weird, right, detail. Uh, But this was actually a, a normative thing. This is part of espionage in those times, is you would, as a spy, you would want to stay somewhere inconspicuous. You'd stay somewhere where there's not a ton of visitors. You'd stay somewhere where like people don't really look twice at a stranger. And so you would stay at like an inn or, or a prostitute's home. So what they did is they were clearly, they were renting a room in this place to just kind of lay low and a place where they could set up appointments where people could come and go kind of without suspicion. And so as they're staying at this prostitute's house, what's incredible is that it's not like she's just sort of there and lets it happen. She actually becomes an ally of theirs because even though they're trying to stay off the radar, what happens is the local king, he finds out about the spies and he sends search parties out. He wants to bring them in and kill them. And so when they approach the door of Rahab, somehow they get tipped off. The, the, The king's men show up at the door and what what happens is she hides the spies. She hid the two men and she replied to the king's soldier. She says, yeah, these men, they were clients of mine, um, but I don't know where they came from. And she goes on, she says, actually, and they left and I don't, maybe you can run and catch them. I don't know. She is their advocate. She becomes their guardian. All of a sudden, what we're seeing is these invading spies united with a local prostitute and they becoming allies. And that's an alliance that just simply doesn't make sense, right? They are coming in with incredibly different backgrounds, different allegiances. They're from different nations with competing desires, and yet they're finding themselves on the same team. This is an incredibly unique alliance that simply does not make sense.
buffalo hopped off to stretch his legs Walk in the field Hey, what's this in the weeds? It's a baby, awesome He put it in a saddle, hopped on Humped it up a hill and across the plain Tried to cross a river <laughs> Not gonna happen, man You're riding on a buffalo, member, But keep the baby afloat Get your guy on the buffalo Beautiful, right? You wouldn't think when they made this documentary back in the late 1800s that a guy, a buffalo, a pioneer woman, and a field baby would find themselves united. And yet, and yet here they are. And it's a beautiful thing, right? It's incredible to see people come together with very different backgrounds or uh, species, uh, and they find themselves united on the same page, kind of with the same desire, the same direction, moving along the same path. And what's happening is we're seeing the spies of Israel, invading spies, uniting with a local prostitute. And that is absolutely unbelievable. Why in the world are they on the same page? What could possibly be bringing them together? And when, with such different backgrounds that are so easily uh, things that divide us, how could they possibly be brought together? And we see it when Rahab is speaking to the spies. She tells them that I know the Lord is handing this land over to you. She says, and all of us here, we are absolutely terrified of you. And all who live in the land are cringing before you. For the Lord, your God, is God in heaven above and on earth below. What's happening is that even though they're coming in with distinctly different backgrounds, vastly different points of origin, What's happening is they are united in their fear and understanding of the Lord. They see the greatness of our God, and it brings them together. And that's amazing. And that's what's so beautiful about our faith. That's what's so beautiful about our local body of Christ, that a lot of us are here right now because we've seen the greatness of God. Or or maybe others of us are here right now because we want to see that. We want to understand that, but we're united in that pursuit of saying, man, there's something about this God that I want to learn more about, or I want to be closer to, or I want to better understand. And, and what we see in their lives is this exact same situation where Rahab is saying she's a different background, different place. We don't know how she heard. We don't know how she's been informed or is aware of what God's been doing in the nation of Israel, but somehow the Lord made a way for her to know himself. And when she gets that understanding, it changes everything. And she's united with these men, with these invading spies. Because she says, yeah, God is, he's bigger than wherever we're coming from. And and I'll tell you what's so incredible about that is that the diversity in in the, the, the worshipers of an object or a person, in this case, the worshipers of the Lord Most High, diversity in the crowd is, is so significant. It it, it indicates an even greater value in the object of worship. If I was going to show you art, 
most of us would say, yeah, you know what good art is? This is good art. There we go. You put some Kyle Field on there. You get some Aggies. You get some people with their hands up. You get people, I don't know if you can see this. There's people that are walking. They're all holding hands going beneath the ring. I don't know why or how or if that's a, is that a thing? That's not a thing, right? Show me with your heads. Is that a thing? Yes or no? No, I see a lot of shaking. That's not a thing. But we would look at this art. We're like, that's beautiful, right? What a wonderful piece of art. And, you know, that's fine. That's great. A lot of us in this room, we would affirm that. Here's the thing. A lot of people outside of this room that don't have the same allegiances and ties as us to Texas A&M University, they would be like, that looks silly. That's like a paint-by-numbers goofy thing. Like, they, they wouldn't necessarily be on the same page. And we would hiss them, and we would cast them out into the place of darkness, right? Like, we would say, you're never welcome here. Don't get fuego on your wig out. Like, we would be so mad. But there is other art that everyone kind of sees. If, if you just kind of throw this up there, man, this is Starry Night by Van Gogh. Did you hear me? People knew that? Those are like, those are engineers that know that. How? Because this is such a significant piece of art that people say this is a masterpiece. They're like, oh, look at those, the strokes and the, ooh, the swishy swashes. Like, that's, that's it. And when we see art like this, there is a more diverse crowd that will acknowledge, man, that is something awesome. And what that does is it indicates a higher value in what's being seen and what's being observed. And our God says, I want all tribes, all people, every tongue, every nation worshiping me. And he's the God of the world. He so loved the world that he sent his son, Jesus Christ. It's not because he loved one ethnic group. It's not because he loved one political party. It's not because he loved just this one little gang that lived over in this area. He loved the world. And so he says, I'm going to bring all people to know me, all people to worship me. Why? Because it's the right thing. It's what he deserves is a diverse crowd of worshipers. And when the world sees that, man, it makes an impact. Our diversity is something that we should celebrate and lean into. It creates complexity for sure. But man, it it increases the value of our worship. That's why we are so intentional. That's why we strive as people. I hope you as people are joining me in striving to create an environment in our walls, in our places, in our communities, where people can belong, regardless of their background. I can say from the bottom of my heart, the true core of my being, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you're here to see the Lord, to encounter him, to hear from his word, to worship him in song. I'm so glad you're here. And it does not matter where you're from. It doesn't. Because I know that God has brought you here with a reason, that God loves you, that God has put you here. And I want you to experience the love of the Lord through my words and my actions. You have leaders and volunteers all around you that are here because they love you and because they want you to experience the love of the Lord through their words and through their actions. You were greeted. There were signs. There's people that maybe introduced themselves. Man, we want to create a space where you feel like you can belong. Why? Because God has prepared a place for you. Because that's who he is. That's what he's done. That's what he's about. His desire and design for his people is for it to be a diverse crowd. 
And so that's why we create things and systems and processes. That's why we make stuff like Growth Track, which is happening right across the, right across the sidewalk. You can go to it next week, 11 a.m. And it's an opportunity to essentially step into a, 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 a perspective broadening moment where you can learn about how to better belong, how to plug into a small group in ways that you can also serve. It's, it's not just a way to better belong here at Grace, but it's also an opportunity to build into the body. If this is your home, if this is a place where you want to put down roots and, and, and plant your flag, that's awesome and, and that's great. And we're so glad that, that you feel uh, that you can belong here. But, but man, help us then make it a place where others can belong as well. Help us make this into other people's home, just as it is for you. Man, the coolest house in the world is useless if it's just you and your two roommates. Let's open the doors. Come to Growth Track. Find out ways to serve. Even if it's just something as simple. If, you just, if you're just like, man, I can serve in this room like once a month. I could serve on a Sunday morning once or twice a month. We would love for you to join us. We need your help in creating this environment and setting the stage for other people to belong and to worship, to see the Lord. And so if you would want to write this down or take a screen, again, your best, I would still encourage you to go to Growth Track to get a broad view of what's available, opportunities to serve and ways to plug in. But if you just want to serve on a Sunday, once or twice a month, if you go to this link, take a picture, write it down, whatever, right now, if you go there, it's really quick, just an opportunity for us to hear about the way you're geared and when you're available. We would love, we would, oh, we would love for you to help us in creating an environment where people can experience the Lord's presence in a new and compelling way. We want to be a people who lean into our diversity. We want to be a people with the same desire as our God to, to see all people, regardless of origin, come together. And, and yet it's so easy to be divided by those backgrounds, right? It's so easy not only to be divided by background, but even with that distinct different origin, man, there's a difference of occupation. Not just, it wasn't just a different background between Rahab and the spies. There, there was a difference in behavior. She was a prostitute, which God is not for. Like the, he had given a law to Israel and he said, hey, like this, these are things, like kind of rules to follow, principles to, you know, this is kind of how to rule on this or that. Someone kicks your ox, you can kick them. Like, or whatever. like he just kind of goes through all these things. And I'll tell you, prostitution was never on his like great list. And yet Rahab is living this life. And you know, not that that, that probably wasn't her dream job, right? It was probably a broken path that got her to that lifestyle, into that career. And yet there was behavior that she was moving through, that she was engaging in, that the, it would have been so easy for the spies to see that and to be divided from her, right? It's so easy for us to see present or past decisions made by other people and allow those decisions to create division between ourselves and others. Neighbors notified Mason Tackett that his cousin, Philip Matthew Hagens, was seen carrying items from his house. When I finally got down here to the house to look see what happened, the door was standing wide open. It looked like he was packing up for a yard sale when he came out. And that is when he confronted Hagens. He was lying, throwing his hands and saying stuff like, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, you know how rogues do, and blaming it on everybody else. The confrontation took a dangerous turn once Tackett found items belonging to him. He did pull a gun on me when I got back around the house because I guess he thought I was upset with him. Items not normally the target of a would-be burglar. Who steals a cheese grater. 
He's got the worst Lysol. He stole an empty bottle of spray. What got me the most was my soap. He stole my soap. <laughs> who steals soap? Who steals soap? I'll tell you who my roommate, Steve, right? That's Steve. That is a legitimate question. Why would someone do this thing against me? He's my dove, man. Body wash, man. Who's going to take that? What, what are you supposed to do with that? When someone else's mistakes have wronged you, when someone's frustrated you or, or hurt you intentionally or unintentionally, man, what do we do with that? A lot of times what happens is we see our mistakes or other people's mistakes and we allow those mistakes to create a barrier. We allow them to take root and to push us apart, to create division where there maybe previously was unity. And I'm telling you right now that that's not God's desire for his people. When God looks at humanity, he doesn't want to see a divided crew. He doesn't want to see people just kind of in their little squabbles here and there, stealing soap and getting frustrated and burning bridges in light of that. The Lord has moved in his people, and he has a desire and a design that regardless of these past or present behaviors, that we would still find ourselves united. How? How could we possibly reach that point? How could we possibly achieve that unity? What could have possibly united a lying prostitute with invading spies? When Rahab is talking to the spies and about to send them off, she says, I want you to promise me this. She says, promise me with an oath sworn in the Lord's name. Because I have shown allegiance to you, show allegiance to my family. Give me a solemn pledge that you will spare the lives of my father, mother, brothers, sisters, and all who belong to them and rescue us from death. She says, I have shown you through my actions where my loyalties lie, where my heart really is. So so please see see my work. And, And more importantly, see my heart behind it. And when God is on the move, as God is bringing you through this place and taking down this evil nation... Deliver me. Please remember me. And the spies look at her and they say, man, if you die, may we die as well. If you do not report what we've been up to, then when the Lord hands the land over to us, we will show unswerving allegiance to you. You see, what's so incredible about our God is that regardless of where we've been, what we've done, or what we're doing, he says, I can always deliver. I can always redeem. I can always reconcile. I can move into any situation and bring the dead to life. You see, when Rahab walked this path, when she made these decisions, what happened is she was revealing her heart, which ultimately was trusting God. It was her faith that was shining through. That's why when she's kind of given a shout out and later in scripture in the book of Hebrews, when it's talking about the authors addressing all these kind of great examples to follow, the author says that it was by faith that Rahab the prostitute escaped the destruction of the disobedient. Why? Because she welcomed the spies in peace. He says it's not just what she did, it's why she did it. It's not her behavior, it's the belief that fueled it. He says it was by faith that she was saved. It was because of the the trust that she had in the Lord of Israel and the God of Israel. That's what delivered her. And suddenly those behaviors, those mistakes, those past decisions, they're overwhelmed by the grace of God. That's what we see. 
is that we as individuals, we can come together and regardless of where we've been or the behavior that we've, we've been through or are currently in, we can see God deliver any person, anywhere, by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. We can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that his promise, that his mercies are new every day, that he promises us that he loves us, that he's going to come for us, that he's going to lift us out of sin and death. And we can trust in that promise because it's not just words he said, it's, it's the life that he gave. It's the fact that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, who stepped out of heaven and onto earth, who lived the perfect life that we couldn't live and died the death that we deserve because of our mistakes. And when he rose from the grave three days later, he says, those things don't own you anymore. That identity is no longer shackled to you. You're no longer a slave to sin and death and brokenness. He says, you can have new life. You can have new identity. You can belong to a new family. He says, that's who you can be. That's what's offered. If you call on the name of Christ, you can be saved. We can be delivered out of the destruction that we're bringing on ourselves. And the reality is that we will continue to still stumble, right? We'll continue to, to have those hangups or, or those fallaways. Man, we'll, we'll have issues still present in our life. And yet God says, I still love you. And I still want what's best for you. And there's going to be times where he picks us up, dusts us off, and just puts us back on the path. Because he's not going to give up on us. Some of us, that's what we need to hear and contemplate for the rest of this day. That God loves you. That he sent his son to die for you. So that you can know him. So that you can have life. So you can experience joy that transcends anything in this world. That you can be delivered out of the mess that we've made for ourselves. And many of us need to hear the fact that, man, we're still going to get messy. We're still going to make mistakes but we're united by the grace that God has shown us, the mercy he's given us that we did not earn, we did not deserve. And I'll tell you, when we have that mindset, what we realize is that we can join together in in celebrating what our God has done, not just as Grace Bible Church, right? That we can be united with the church, the capital C church, like the, the, the body of Christ around this world the other churches in our community. We can rally with them if they, are, if they are proclaiming the risen Christ, if they're worshiping in spirit and truth, if they're saying that, that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Those are people that we can be champions for, that we can be advocates for. Those are people that we can walk side by side with, shoulder to shoulder, and we can praise the Lord together and we can be his witnesses to this world. Suddenly we can look past maybe minor doctrinal issues Right? There, are, there are going to be doctrinal differences that some of us are bringing in from back home that we're seeing in our friends and we're like, man, I don't know how this is or where I stand on that. And I'll tell you, those, those non-salvific issues, those are absolutely worth considering and they're absolutely worth discussing, but they are never worth conflict and division. They're simply not. That's infighting in the body of Christ and the family of God. That's not what we're about. I want you to find your place in the body of Christ 
If it's at Grace, if it's at Antioch, if it's at Central, if it's at Brazos Fellowship, if it's at Restoration, if it's at Declaration, man, find your place in the body and be champions for one another because God wants us to be diverse. We're not just diverse in the way that we look. We're diverse in the way that we think, in the way that we worship. And that's a beautiful thing, that God can create unity in the midst of that complexity, in the midst of that diversity. But once we are willing to reach that state, right, once we're willing to kind of cross that threshold, once we're willing to celebrate our differences, what's so incredible, what's so beautiful is that God can then use his people to strengthen each other. Suddenly, we can find ourselves in a better place than we were before as we're pursuing the same destination. You see, when Rahab sends the spies out, they tell her, okay, this is the deal. When we leave, or sorry, when we invade the land, you need to tie this red rope in the window through which you let us down and gather together in your house, your father, your mother, your brothers, and all who live in your father's house. They say, listen, Rahab, this is the deal. If you want to be delivered, you've got to mark yourself. You've got to let us know where you are. And we're going to remember you. And not only that, but not only is Rahab being delivered, but she is now the inroad for her entire relative, her, her family, to be saved. And so they say, yeah, do that. We'll come back. They leave. They came down from the hills. They crossed the river. They came to Joshua, the son of Nun. They reported to him all that they have discovered. Suddenly, when they approach Joshua, they say, hey, these are things we've learned because of the diversity of who God has raised up to be his people, because of the diversity that God has created in his community. We have new insight. We've learned new things. We're better, we have a better understanding of God's path for us moving forward because God speaks through his people to one another. It's a beautiful thing that as we find ourselves in a diverse community with diverse people, we can increase our perspective. And it, we can also then decrease our pride. It's something that we see play out here. It's something we see play out in our own lives. We saw the diversity of the people that, that, that Rahab would, would not just be saved and delivered because of her faith, but she's able to then talk to her family and friends and say, hey, this is the God of Israel. This is what he's done. This is who he is. This is what he's about. You should join with me. And what's happening is, is they're invited into her home. What they're doing is they're saying, yeah, I believe what you believe. I'm going to put my trust where you put your trust. And she has now created a bridge for her entire family to come and know the Lord, to be a part of the family of God. And that's where some of us are right now. Some of us are the initial tip of the spear, starting point, bridge builder between our family and God, or our roommates and God, or our classmates, our workmates and the Lord. Man, we're in that place. And I'll tell you, one of the just incredible things that, that I get to experience, having worked with young people like you for the last few years, is getting to see time and again where God will start with one student. Students who come and sit in my office and we talk about the difficulties of not wanting to go home because it's not a great environment or it's not spiritually enriching, of, of wanting to just kind of avoid Thanksgiving and just go on a trip for a Christmas break to just stay here over the summer. And I'll tell you, it's incredible to see how time and again, whether it's quick or whether it takes years, the Lord to work through individual students just like you to point their entire families to Jesus, to see parents and siblings come to faith, people that you would just never expect 
to turn around. The Holy Spirit convicts them through the life and the words and the actions of their daughter or their son or their brother or their sister. That's where some of us are. And it's beautiful that we can lean into that diversity, that it can bleed out beyond ourselves. And as that happens, what happens is it increases our perspective. We learn more. We're better prepared to walk the path, right? The the spies say, hey, we now know the lay of the land because she brought new insight, because she has different ideas and, and, and perspectives, right? We can benefit from one another, from a diverse crowd, because we can learn new things about the world and ourselves and each other and about the Lord. Right? We can point out each other to the Lord in brand new ways. And it's something that we see play out in our lives, right? If for some of us were maybe at fall launch this past week, and you maybe know that slowly but surely over the last few years, I've been kind of accumulating the advice that I generally see thrown out kind of to, to new students that land on our shores, right? Um, we're landlocked, but whatever, all right? It's Lake Bryan. On the shores of Lake Bryan, you show up. And generally speaking, there are just a few kind of tips and tricks that I see year after year after year. One of which is represented by this hero, this champion, man of the people, who was willing to stand at university in Texas and tell everyone the truth, to boldly proclaim that you are safe to turn right, to go southbound on Texas, you have your own lane, please don't stop, please, please don't stop. Like, just keep going. Beautiful. We, we have people every single year kind of give these layouts of the land. They talk about, man, you know, you've got these two kind of major campus areas. You've got Blinn up there. You've got A&M down center. You've got Relis and uh, like nursing stuff off to the side too, but you know, whatever. But we have kind of two main areas of campuses that you're going to go. And you're like, hey, that, that's where to go. A lot of people would say like, oh, you should eat here or not eat there or whatever. And, but at some point you go off campus. And so they'll say, yeah, you know, there's a few good spots in town. Uh, you can go to like the Century Squares news, there's like fake grass. Oh, everyone loves that. And uh, you can go in, you know, south of camp. You can go south College Station or SoCo, as we call it. Uh, be like, yeah, venture into SoCo. Like, there's a new Mad Taco down there. It's really great. And, and you know, there's kind of things to do. And they're like, hey, and you know what? Downtown Bryan's really cool. Uh, one Friday a month. And you can go up there and enjoy walking around, uh, listening to music. And I'm telling you, I've just seen this year after year after year. Where students are like, hey, well, like, what about all that stuff north of university? Right? Like, there's all this land, all these places. And people are just like, no, that is the forbidden. <laughs> Don't go there. Not that it's bad. They're just like, I don't know what it is. So just, I don't know. Don't go. Like, it's, it's mysterious. There's families and not students. You know, like, so they just kind of don't, don't go there. Like, it's not for you. And then people think, well, what if I really want to branch? I go everywhere else. They're like, no, that's Houston. Don't go there, right? That's not for you. Stay in your lane. And year after year, I see this wisdom poured out, and it's beautiful because it's new people giving new perspective that broadens our understanding of the lay of the land. It broadens our understanding of the world, of ourselves, and of each other. And suddenly what we're seeing is that God has designed his community to be a people who is diverse so that we can broaden that perspective. And in doing so, what happens is it diminishes, it decreases our pride. I mean, I I am incredibly blessed and privileged to have grown up in a home. I was raised by parents who loved me, who supported me, who pointed me to the Lord. And that's amazing. That's a gift that I don't take lightly 
anymore. And I grew up in a community that was wonderful. I was plugged in at a good church. I was going to, I grew up first few years going to this like private Christian school. And man, I'll tell you, it wasn't their design. It's not like it was anyone's desire. But what happened over time was my perspective of the world kind of started narrow and stayed narrow. My understanding of kind of who I should hang out with or who I can talk to or what's right and what's wrong, I just kind of had this very narrow perspective. And I didn't even realize it until I started changing schools, until I started changing friend groups, until I stepped into ministry and began to encounter more and more people from more and more backgrounds and different, different, or in multiple different behaviors and, and, and experiences. And, and I'll tell you, through my personal experience, And through my exposure to other people's stories and experiences, what happened was God dramatically increased my empathy for the people around me. He dramatically decreased my sense of entitlement, what I thought I deserved, or what I thought was rightfully mine, or where I thought I stood in relation to the people around me. It was through that increase of exposure and experience that suddenly... I can understand where people come from. I have a greater empathy and compassion for people that find themselves in dark places. And it's still not a good place to be. I'm still not going to affirm maybe the actions that they've taken or the decisions that they made, but I get it. I can better understand how they got there. I can more quickly empathize and my heart breaks when I see people reach moments of divorce, and I get it, I, I've seen it in my family and my friends, and I, I get it. I understand how they get there. I understand how you can reach a point of getting an abortion. I get it. I understand. I, I understand how you can find yourself trapped in an addiction that you just can't shake. I can understand how, how you wind up in a habit that just you never consciously chose. I can understand how you struggle w- with things in your identity or your sexuality that, that are confusing and, and, and mis- maybe mismanaged in the past. I mean, I, I can see that. I can better understand how people get into moments where they're like, I don't want to be here. How do I get out? I've seen it. I've experienced it. And I'll tell you, my greatest takeaway is that our God is good. That I don't have answers, that I don't have solutions, but I have a God who loves these people, who's inviting them into that love, into a community, into a relationship that doesn't care about that background, that doesn't care about that behavior, that is simply calling you to belief first and foremost. That's the starting point. Then life change can happen. Behaviors can alter. But it begins by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And I suddenly see other people around me as saved by grace as worthy of the death of Christ. And I'll tell you what that does is it humbles me. Humbles me. I see that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. 
And I see that we need each other to broaden our perspectives, to better understand ourselves, each other, and the Lord. So I would invite you, man, at the end of this service, what we're going to do is we're going to have some leaders in the back of the room or around the room that they would love to invite you into community. You need to surround yourself with like-minded people, with men and women who want to know the Lord. And maybe you're not there. Maybe you're saying, man, I, I don't know where I stand with God. I don't necessarily have that faith. And that's fine. We want you to join our community. We want you to discover who God is with us. Right? When I say like-minded Christ followers, I don't mean people that have it all together or people who are all in the right spot or leading perfect lives. It's, it's people who say, I want to follow Jesus. Even if that's just something you want to learn more about and, and, and just see play out, join us. Join us as we find and follow Jesus Christ who gave his life so that we might live who lowered himself so that we might ascend, who went to the grave so that we can rise with him into a new family that's complex and diverse, complicated, but strong. So what we're going to do is as we enter into worship, is we're not actually even just going to wait to talk to leaders. Or I, or I forgot to say, you can also, uh, we can, you can go to this uh, quick URL. I went on a bitly spree today, I don't know, um, or this week, because I found it's free. It's amazing. But you can go to this quick link, write it down, take a picture, whatever, and you can sign up for community. You can sign up for a small group, and we would love to follow up with you and invite you in. Again, you should talk with someone in the back of the room to make that personal connection, but if you just got a jet, go here. But we're not just going to rely on this community that's meeting later this week, you know, on Monday night or Wednesday night or Thursday night, whatever. But we are going to lean into the community that God's raised up around us right here, right now. You see, the people that are sitting to your left and right, God is intentionally placed there, right? He's in control. He's on the move. And so you're not just sitting next to each other to stare the same direction and sing the same song and watch the same weird thing about a buffalo. And you're like, what the, you know, like that's not... That's not the only reason you're together. You're together because God has designed this moment for us to pray for one another. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take the next few minutes and you're going to look to your left and your right. You're going to find one or two partners, depending on how it works out. And you're going to introduce yourself if you don't know them already. And you're going to share with them very briefly. You're just going to say, hey, this is a place this semester, this week, that I can step into and start to contribute to unity where I can help build unity. Maybe it's in a class or with your roommates or with your family members or whatever. And you can be as specific or as vague as you want. But just share really briefly, this is a place where I can contribute to the unity. Not that the unity is, not that everyone's super divided right now, right? Maybe you're just making a good thing better. And and it's not that you're going to go in and just like really hope that other people change, that their hearts would all, no. What are you going to do? in those places. Share that super briefly with a partner or two, and then pray for each other. Pray that God would be on the move, that God would give strength and motivation, that he would give patience and peace and love, even when they steal your soap. Ask that God would give you the forgiving heart that he's shown you through Jesus Christ. So take a moment, share those things. I'll bring us back into worship in just a minute. Ready, set, go. Lord God, we thank you that you are on the move, that God, that you are 
bringing us together in a, in a new way, God, that you have maybe shared even just in the last couple of minutes through uh, someone we were talking with, God, about just sort of something that's encouraging or, or convicting. Lord, we thank you that you've given us these, these moments, God, to, to hear from your word, to, to sing your praise. And God, we just ask that as we enter into this kind of closing, worshipful time, that God, that we would have hearts that are really in tune with yours. That God, that we would really see your desire for a diverse people and that we would treasure that and value that and pursue that in our lives. That God, that we would see the incredible strength and value that comes from a community that you've created of every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. God, every background, every past behavior, God, you have called us to this point to recognize how great you are that your love is real, that you are good, and that you want what's best for our lives. So if you would just take a moment right now and as we enter into worship, just ask the Lord to just grab a hold of your attention and your affection, that he would shut out the distractions, that he would just grab your heart, he'd grab your mind, that you would just simply be focused on who he is and what he's done as we sing a, a few more songs. Ask him that right now.